Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, there I was flying from Atlanta, Georgia to Dayton, Ohio at 32,000 feet. And uh, as we were flying, the pilot came over the air and he said that uh, as they started their descent, we were going to experience a little bit of turbulence. Now, I have spent many um, hundreds of times on an airplane. I've made many combat landings in Afghanistan. And so I thought that I was ready for whatever was in store for us. And so as we started the descent, sure enough, we hit turbulence. And we were making bounces of 100 and 300 feet at a time. And I knew it was 300 feet because my heart was exactly 300 feet above us when we stopped dropping. And when something like that happens, typically it's easy for us to think about our life and, and have our entire life pass in front of us. And, but that's not what happened for me. What happened was I thought back to earlier this, uh, the, the previous week on Friday, sitting on the couch with my lovely wife, Carrie. She had had a bad week and a bad day, and, and, and she had just kind of on the couch like this. And I had had a tough week and a, a, a bad day, and, and I was kind of feeling the same way on the couch. And so I looked over at her. I said, Carrie, what do you want to do this weekend? And she goes, I don't know. What do you want to do? And I said, let's live this weekend like it's our last weekend ever. Now, here's what I was thinking about when we were flying. I thought about that. And, and I thought that could have been my last weekend. And then I thought, if that was my last weekend, I blew it. But we landed safely. I even got to go back to Florida safely. And so here's what I want to do uh, as I introduce this new series to you of All In. And I want to talk to us about going all in when it comes to love. Now, men, if you remember, just completed a series called Dysfunctional. And there were four, all right, here, here's a little pop quiz to everybody. There were four different rules to have a functional family. Rule number one was husbands, love your wives. Thank you, ladies. Rule number two was wives, thank you men, and rule number three was children, obey your parents, and then the last rule was fathers, don't embitter your children. Well, I, I, I believe that every husband wants to love their wife the way the Bible tells us. And the reason why God put that in there, husbands love your wife, isn't because the wives aren't supposed to love their husbands, because they are. But it's easier for the wives. It's harder for the husband. And so we were given that extra admonition. And here's what I've experienced is that um, husbands struggle with this. 
And a, a pastor a friend of mine told me about one day he was talking about this, and he said that there's no perfect husbands, and, and a man in the audience raised his hand. And so he, he recognized the man, and he said, oh, yes. And, and the, the pastor was thinking he was going to confess to being a perfect husband, but that's not what he said. He said, my wife's first husband was a perfect husband because she told him about all the perfect things that he had done. Well, men, um, you are not alone if you are trying to love your wife with everything that you have, and yet you end up frustrated because you feel like you're not effective in that. Because here's the reality. Every single person has been deeply affected either by love or the lack thereof in their life. And the second thing is this, that every single person loves in a different way. And so week one of All In, I want to talk to you about the concept of the five love languages. Now, uh, almost 30 years ago, Gary Chapman wrote this book. He, he is an um, ordained minister. He's also a licensed counselor. And through his counseling, he just kept noticing this trend that would come up. And so he identified these five different love languages. And so here's what I want to share with you is the goal of this series is this, to help you discover and answer the cry of your heart, which is to love and be loved. And to help you find the, uh, a consistent path to receive God's love in your life. And thereby, once you experience God's love, be able to use your love language to use other people's love language to speak love to them. The Bible tells us that we can love because we are loved. You know, Jesus did it first. He, he went all the way in love. And now it's our choice. Are we going to do the same? Now, I know many of you are thinking, as soon as I talked about the five love languages, that that's for couples. And that's true. The, the book, when it was really originally written, was. But it, you'll find out that there's a lot more books. There's the five love languages for men. There are five love languages for teenagers, for children, for couples, which was the original, for military, and for singles. So there are no excuses, and all of these resources are out there in a free format. You can go on and just Google Five Love Languages PDF, and you'll probably get a copy of the book. Uh, there's an audio version of the book for free on YouTube, and I would encourage you to uh, take advantage of these resources that are out there. And as we go into this, and as I talk about this over the next five weeks, I want you to understand that there are different dialects of each of these languages. Now, do you all realize here in Illinois that in Boston they talk a little different? Yeah, in Boston, it's, it, it, they, they've got an accent on everything that they, they do. And then, did you realize in Tennessee they speak a little different than, than we speak here in southern Illinois? Did you realize in California, there in San Diego on the beaches, that they have a different dialect that they speak? of? It's all English, and we understand it for the most part, but sometimes we don't. And that's the reality when it comes to the love language. There's five different love languages. The words of affirmation is one, and there's multiple dialects of how to use words of affirmation. Quality time is another, and there are different ways that we can use or speak quality time. And, and if, if you feel frustrated, it's probably not that you weren't speaking the right language, but you don't have the dialect down for your significant other or for one of your children or, or for another relationship that you're trying to build up. When it comes to physical touch, different dialects. I'm excited to share a little bit about that with you. Uh, receiving gifts is another love language. Again, 
multiple ways that we can say that. And then finally, acts of service. And so in front of you, you should have um, three different sheets of paper or, or laying beside you. Um, and one of those has a survey. And I would encourage you, if, if you're not techno technologically savvy, that if, if I were you, I would go through and take that questionnaire and then grade yourself. You don't have to share it with anybody, but it would be good for you to learn your love languages. And then I would also encourage you, if there's somebody uh, in your family here with you, or get a copy and have them take that and learn each other's love languages. If you are into computers and going online, you can go to um, the5lovelanguages.com slash quizzes. And when you go there, there's four different quizzes that you can take. One for couples, one for children, one for um, teens, and then I think the other one is for uh, singles. So uh, there's another resource. And then if, if you're just obstinate and you don't want to take quizzes, whether it's electronically or, or handwrite it, here's a couple questions you can ask yourself. Number one is what usually hurts you the most? If you can identify that, you'll probably identify the love language that you want to be spoken to and you're missing that. And another question that you can ask yourself is what could someone say or do that would make me value the relationship more? Now, a few weeks ago, I knew that we were coming into this series, and, and I leaned forward a little bit, and we were at dinner with a couple other couples, and, and so I just said, hey, guys, would you be my guinea pig? And I asked them to download an app, and the app was called Love Nudge. And I would encourage you, no matter what kind of phone you get, if, you, if you've got a smartphone, download this app, the Love Nudge, and, and there you can take the quiz as well. And so all six of us took the quiz. And we found out what each other's love languages were and weren't. And I loved it because on that next Saturday, I was meeting with the deacons. And uh, one of our deacons, Josh Cross, walks in. And Gary Phipps, was there, Gary Phipps was there in the hallway. And Josh, who's one of his love languages is physical touch, went, goes up to Gary Phipps and just wraps him up in a hug. And then it's almost like Gary was electrified. And he goes, whoa. He goes, I need you to take this uh, uh, quiz because I need to know if your love language is physical touch, because I might have just you know, offended you or hurt our relationship. And, and I want to know that I'm doing this right. And, and so, Josh, thank you for going all in. I don't know if you saw it, but on our uh, church website, uh, Josh and Brittany did a Facebook Live talking about this app, The Love Nudge, and talking about how that they're using it, not just with each other, but with their children, with their friends, and even with his fellow deacons. All right, so this is an opportunity for all of us. And here's what I want you to understand. Today, when I'm talking about the five love languages, this is just an introduction. This is not designed to be an exhaustive um, be-all, end-all when it comes to uh, the five love languages. There are resources out there, and I would encourage you. Matter of fact, almost every time I bring up the topic, the five love languages, most people have already taken it or have the book. And then I ask, well, what's your love language? They don't know. So, so I would encourage you, there's a couple of ways. Number one is if you're on a version and you're following, I put a link in there that would take you to the quizzes. If um, you go to our website, tbccentralia.com slash Sunday, you will find uh, links to um, different resources. And if you'll go there throughout the week, you'll see that we'll start adding different resources for you. 
And then finally, I would encourage you, if you're not already in a life group, join a life group. Those are right there in front of you on those sheets. And if you turn over the note taker, you'll see a list of life groups and a way that you can get involved. There's a, a contact number for the leader. And I would call them and find out how you can become a part of a life group because that is where the change is going to happen. Here's the reality. Many of you, while I'm speaking today, the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. And for the most part, if you're like me and many times, the Holy Spirit will speak to me while I'm in the worship center. But then when I leave, before I'm finished lunch on Sunday, I've forgotten what the Holy Spirit had laid on my heart. And I didn't take notes, and so I don't have it to go over. Here's where life groups help out. What it does, it allows you to be reminded, and not just be reminded, but to hear how other people are experiencing a similar or even a different message based on the verse, based on a quote from the sermon. And so I would encourage you to take advantage of that. Well, let's do this. Let's go through the love languages. And today I want to start off with the love language of acts of service. So when it comes to acts of service, um, somebody whose love language is this, you'll hear them say a lot, actions speak louder than words. Or they may say something like, you can talk the talk, but you better walk the walk. If, you're, if you find yourself saying these things, or somebody that you love uses those phrases, most likely acts of service is one of their love languages. If you have your Bibles, and I would encourage you to go ahead and open up to the uh, book of Luke, chapter 10. If you don't own a copy of God's Word, you'll notice in front of everybody there is a Bible there. And I would encourage you to take that Bible out. And if you open up the front of it, there's a message in there. And it says that if you don't own a copy of God's Word, we want you to make this yours. And you are free to take that with you when you go home today. I would write your name in it. Because we believe here at Temple that everybody should have a copy of God's Word. Let me read to you Luke 10, verse 38, and it says this, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed her into her house. And the thing you were going to find out about Martha is Martha's love language was absolutely acts of service. But what you're going to find out is that sometimes what makes you great can become your biggest liability. And today we'll see that with Martha, that her love languages of acts of service became a liability for her. As I read in verse 39, and she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to His teaching. Before the day's out, you'll realize that Mary's love language was quality time. In verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, you do, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, folks, I want you to understand something. When Jesus was speaking to Martha, he wasn't telling her that Mary had done the better thing. He was telling her that Mary did what spoke to her heart the best. 
quality time. And this whole time, Martha was feeling love by serving not just Jesus, but all of those that would came in to her house. And yet she was missing that love from her sister because her sister was getting fed, getting her love tank filled up by being at the feet of Jesus. And so we've got to be careful because our love language is different than others. And the way that we express it may not be appreciated by others the way we want it to be. And sometimes the way that we try to express love to somebody else may not be received as strongly as we want it to. Why? Because that's not their love language. It's not even their dialect. So when you think of acts of service, there's very simple examples. It could be making breakfast for somebody or lunch or dinner or um, if you're the partner that, that doesn't usually cook and the, the other partner's love language is service, doing something like that for them. It could be uh, cleaning your, uh, somebody else's car, washing it or vacuuming it out. It could be taking the kids and let your uh, spouse uh, have some quality time by themselves with no responsibilities for a couple of hours. It could be as simple as taking out the trash or getting the mail from the mailbox. You know, here at uh, Temple, one of the things that I would encourage you is that if, if you resonate with acts of service, if you like, you know what, I love doing things for others. Today is a great opportunity for you. Because when we're finished here, uh, we've got a pizza lunch set up and we are going to have a lunch and learn about our first impressions team. When you walk through the doors, there's people greeting you. When you hit the parking lot, there's people out there in the parking lot. You know what? That coffee didn't just happen like Jesus with the water and wine. Somebody made that coffee and they set that out for us today. There's a whole team called our First Impressions team. And this is a great way to take the next step of getting involved, of serving of loving, being the hands and feet of Jesus. And so I would encourage you today, if you don't already have lunch plans um, and you're curious about that First Impressions team, join us. There's no commitment, no pressure, but I promise you, I think you'll find out that we are doing so much more here at Temple than you ever realized just walking through the doors. Well, one of my love languages is acts of service. And so it's easy for me to do acts of service. And Carrie had, um, when we filled out the love nudge, isn't that just a cool name? When we filled out the love nudge, one of the things about it is it has goals. And so you can set goals. And, and what we did as couples, we gave our phones to the other, our spouse, and our spouse set the goals for us. And so one of the goals that Carrie had set for us was volunteering together. Now, both Carrie and I love to volunteer. We love to, to serve other people. And so this was like easy for me. This was what I called a softball. Carrie made it easy for me to love on her. And so what we did in, in um, this past Tuesday, there was an opportunity to help go make bunk beds for a group uh, in Salem called Sleep in Heavenly Places. And so um, Tuesday night, we showed up, and, and you can see here, that is the 100th bed that this ministry had made. We got to be a part of that. We got to be a part of that together. And I promise you that there are a lot of things that I could have done. Matter of fact, I abandoned somebody that was coming over to my house to, to um, remove a, a water heater for me. And luckily, uh, I left the house unlocked. And he was able to get in there, made it all happen. We come back, we notice it's gone. We thought, wow, this was great. 
amazing. But because it was an act of service, it was just easy for me to say yes, go and not think about anything else. And then on top of that, I do what I hardly ever do, and I left my phone in the truck. All right? But you know what? It all worked out. Well, so here we are making the um, 100th bed, and it was an amazing process. One of the things that we have, uh, are interested in doing here as a church is hosting a night where we, out in our parking lot or over in our pavilion, we make beds for sleep in heavenly places. And watch, because that night, three beds were delivered to families here in Centralia. On Wednesday, there's another family that we are ministering to. They're going to receive four of these beds. And so as a church, what great way to impact our community and, and speak our love language if it's one of acts of service. And you can see there, I mean, there was nothing special about that group other than that we showed up. We sanded down the wood. We drilled holes into it. We put it together. And then one of my favorite parts was at the end, we would brand it. And so here was the piece of wood that I branded, and, and it has the SHP for Sleep in Heavenly Places. Carrie got a brand. If you go to our website or our Facebook, you'll see there are some pictures, and both of us, we're sticking the brand to it. Flames coming up from it. I mean, you know, you're talking about, it was, it was great. And here I was getting to do this speaking, my love language. Well, you know, there's another love language that many of you may have, and it's called uh, the uh, gifts or receiving gifts. My mom, her love language one was receiving gifts. And so there's a picture there of her at just a normal day, and somebody had given her a gift, and that was her response. Now, you know there's not much you can fit into one of those little white boxes. It might have been a doily. It might have been nothing but paper. But look at the joy on my mom's face. Why? Because her love language was gifts. You've heard me tell the story about how that one time they had purchased a new wireless phones, and I saw that, and I was jealous, and mom knew that. And um, at Christmas time, uh, I opened up one of my uh, packages, and it was that a box for AT&T cordless phones. And oh, I was excited. I mean, you could, I had that look on my face until I opened the box, and there were socks in it. Well, watch this, okay? And, and, and my face dropped very quickly, and I thought I played it off, but I didn't because my mom saw that, and it impacted her. And my birthday was just about 20 days later, and on my birthday, I got another one of those boxes that had the phones in it. Why? Because my, my mom, who spoke that language, realized that, you know, you know, she was buying me a gift, and she didn't realize how much I was thinking about those cordless phones. Now, one of the things that you may automatically go to is that somebody whose love language of receiving gifts is that they're materialistically. And I, and I just want to tell you that nothing could be farther from the truth because those who have the uh, love language of receiving gifts, it's more about the thought. It's more about what's behind the gift than whatever the gift was. So you've got to be careful with that. You know, you've heard the saying that a, picture is worth a thousand words. And when you give somebody whose love languages is uh, receiving gifts, you speak a full book to them. They hear something maybe at a level that you didn't understand. And, and when you give this to your spouse or your children and their love language is receiving gifts, 
um, you do more for that relationship than you could ever imagine. And the problem is also when we don't, and we miss it. Sometimes we're saying things that we had no intention to say in that relationship. The end of the Bible, if you would open up to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 7. And it says these words, A woman came up to him with an alabaster flask and, and a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head and as he reclined at the table. Now the rest of that story is that one of Jesus' disciples got upset about that. He was thinking, you know, we could have used that. We could have sold that. And we could have taken that money and given it to the poor. Well, obviously, um, his love language was probably not gifts. But Jesus, being Jesus, he knew exactly what was meant by that woman giving that priceless gift to him. You know, you saw Jesus speak to this uh, when he talked about somebody who came and was very boisterous about putting their offering into the plate so that everybody could see, and yet there was another lady who, who just gave a mite, and that's all she had. And Jesus said these words, she has given more. Why? Because it's not the gift, it's the intent of the heart behind that gift. And the third love language I want to tell you about today is the love language of touch. This... Uh, a memory popped up for me on Facebook, and, and this was a picture of me um, holding my oldest grandson when he was just a couple of weeks old. And then, I don't know if you saw the Facebook Live I did with him a, about 10 days ago, and during that Facebook Live, you know, he's standing on his chair beside me, and I'm talking, and then he smells my hair, and then he reaches over and gives me a kiss. Yeah. That's powerful. Probably, you know, even at four years old, we can tell that uh, touch is probably one of Declan's love languages. And we've known this for a long time, that the, there's an emotional power and physical touch when it comes to children. And long before a baby understands the words, I love you, a baby feels love through physical touch. You have probably heard about babies that are less than six months old and they get into a state called failure to thrive. And, and it's usually because they're left alone a lot in their crib and there's not somebody there touching them and holding them. Babies whose family visit, visit them in the hospital and are able to pull them out and, and, and just touch them and love on them are typically healthier than the babies who don't have any of that contact during that time in the hospital. Right now, there's a, a massive challenge in our country in that there are people in homes that have not been able to get this physical touch from their family members because of COVID and being isolated. And, and I think it's awesome that we can show up and we can be on the other side of the glass, but I'm here to tell you that being able to hug them and touch them and, and demonstrate that love is powerful. And, and it doesn't stop when children become adults. If you turn over to Luke chapter 15, and I'll just read one verse to you, and, and it says, And he arose and came to his father. This is the prodigal son. He's already wasted everything that the father had. He's gotten to the point in life where he's like, you know what? The only person that I can probably go to right now is my dad. Even though I betrayed him, I'll bet he'll at least let me 
be a servant because I would be living better as one of His servants than what I'm doing right now. But while He was still a long way off, His Father saw Him and felt compassion and ran and embraced Him and kissed Him. That Father understood and spoke the language of physical touch. And that hug and that embrace that He gave His Son probably meant more than anything the Father could have said. I'm a living witness to this. The night that I found out about my father passing away, um, I got back to the house. And I don't know, I was maybe there 30 minutes. And my youngest son walks through the door. Didn't say anything. He just came up and gave me a hug. One of the most powerful examples of love I've ever experienced at one of the hardest times of my life. And man, I just want to say this. Usually when we go through the five love languages and we get to this one, we're thinking something totally different than a different dialect. And on Monday nights, 7 p.m., right over here in our gym, as men, we're going to go through this. And, and I'm going to explain to you a little bit about this and what the dialects of physical touch are. Because sometimes we can get wrapped around the axle on one of those dialects. But there's so much more to it. And there's many times where we're trying to speak that love language of physical touch and we fall short and we get frustrated. And, and then I just want to help us. And I believe that if you'll come and you'll be all in for those five weeks, You'll, you'll transform the relationships that you're currently in. Well, another love language that I want to cover with you today is called quality time. Quality time is one of my wife's love languages, and, well, it's not on mine. And so i got to be careful. You know, because quality time, it means that the person that you're speaking to feels love the most when you give them quality time. Be, and being around them just doesn't cut it. That's not enough. Just going to a movie or watching a movie on the couch, may, that, that may not be the dialect that they speak. Because quality time is much more than that. It's all about attention. And one, uh, in one of the years in my military career, I'd gone to a military course and I had this epiphany. They talked about being in a conversation and they talked about attending the conversation. And what that meant was taking your body and giving the, the person that, that direct attention, using your eyes to attend that conversation. And like this was boom, you know, mind blown for me. And so I went home and I was excited and I said, Carrie, you're not going to believe what I learned today. And I told her about this concept of attending the conversation and, and her eyes lit up and I, because this was her love language. But it wasn't too long after that. That we're doing something and, and, and I'm, I'm trying to, you know, be in the middle of three different things. And, and my wife looks at me and says, will you attend this conversation? And years later, I mean, 15, 20 years later, she uses the attend example because I get up. You know what? I, whatever it is, close the computer, put the phone away, stop, what, turn the TV off, mute it, and give her 
the attention. And I'll, I think probably when it comes to quality time, maybe a better name for this would have been quality attention. You know, Acts 20 and verse 31 has a powerful story. And Paul penned these words through um, Luke. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Paul had invested in Macedonia for three years. Quality time was probably one of Paul's love languages. When you read through his epistles, do you see his appreciation for those who brought him gifts, who've spent time with him, who've invested in him? What he was saying is, I love it when people invest in me. And then so what do we naturally do if quality time is, is our love language? We naturally invest in others, in those around us. Well, the last love language that I want to share with you is the fifth one, and uh, that is the words of affirmation. You know, a lot of times we hear these three words, I love you. We say these words. We've seen these words in writing, maybe on a card, in a note, in a text. But when you're trying to speak the words of affirmation, what you need to do is learn to focus your words on the person, not necessarily what they've done. It's good to recognize whatever they've done, but it's more important to focus on who they are. And as we speak the different dialects of words of affirmation, you're going to find out that uh, sometimes it's not the words you say, but it's the tone in which you say it. The way that you use those words, the, the um, expressions that go along with that. And it's amazing how that the words I love you when they're spoken to you, either on the phone, either in an email, on a card, or in, even in a text, can change everything about our day, about our weekend about the, it gives us a sense of worth and an anchor against whatever is going on in our life, no matter how good or how bad. When the wheels of life fall off and words of affirmation are your love language, there's a way that people can say, I love you, and they never use those words. And the reality is this, that whether we want to understand this or not, that our words are either building people up or they're tearing people down. And if somebody's love language is words of affirmation, if it builds up or if it tears down, it does this in an exponential manner. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, the, the phrase constructive criticism. Well, there's a challenge with constructive criticism, and that's because no matter what your intent is sometimes, it's still criticism. It's still tearing down. And somebody whose love language is words of affirmation, it can tear things down and to a point where you cannot restore that relationship. But I want you to understand something today that God in heaven has written some words of affirmation to you. It fills this book, but I just want to share one very quick one with you, and that's you'll find it in Isaiah in the 54th chapter, and I'm going to read to you verse 10. This is the creator of the world speaking to each and every one of you, whether you're here in this worship center, if you're online and you're watching this live, or if you come across this and you're watching this weeks later or days later. 
Here is what the creator of the world says to you. Isaiah 54.10 For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. So you could read this, for the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from Ronnie. My steadfast love shall not depart from Carla. My steadfast love shall not depart from Thomas. My steadfast love shall not depart from Jermaine. But he doesn't stop there. And my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. You can put your name in there. This is what the creator of the world wants you to know. This is what the creator of the world wants everybody in Centralia, in Illinois, in the United States, and all across this globe to understand is that he loves them. And the reality is this, that God sees us at our best and he sees us at our worst. And here's what happens. He chooses to love us. Just like there are family members that you've seen them at their best and you've seen them at their worst and you've chosen to love them in spite of that. You know, there's an old saying that there's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. And there's nothing you can do or have done that will make God love you any less. You see... God gives us the example of loving generously. And the key to this is it's the key to great relationships. You know, you're going to see the, the verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, and, and it says this, go after a life of love as if your life depended on it, because it does. Now, if you open up your Bible, most of you probably won't find those words, and you'll wonder if you've really got the right verse, but this is taken from the message. And Eugene Patterson wrote this with the intent of bringing the Word of God alive. And I think he did a great job through this. This isn't a version of the Bible. This is a one man's paraphrase. And what he saw was, go after a life of love as if your life depended on it. Because the reality is this, it does. Here's what I would encourage you is, if everybody would just go ahead and uh, close your eyes and bow your heads and, and just listen to my voice for a few minutes. Everything that we do is either an act of love, one where we are giving, or it's a cry for love, one where we're selfish. And the reality is that all of us desire connection. All of us desire acceptance. And all of us desire to be nurtured in these relationships. And true love does this. True love provides connection. True love provides acceptance. True love gives us the ability to nurture that relationship. And the question that I ask everybody that's within the sound of my voice, are you willing for the next five weeks to go all in in loving Loving the people that are close to you. Loving the people that are acquaintances. If you find yourself in, and you want to make the most of these next five weeks and, and would allow me to pray, well, raise your hand if you're willing to go all in on loving generously the way that Jesus Christ has told us here in God's Word. 
can go ahead and put your hands down. And now what I want to do is I want to speak to some of you. You may be here today. You may be watching online and you've never started a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't know what a relationship... You try to love, but yet you've never received and accepted the love that Jesus Christ did for us. You know, they, they've said, if you could ask Jesus, how much do you love me? And, and He demonstrated it on the cross with His hands this much. Jesus Christ lived the perfect life that you could never live. And He died for the very worst things that you've ever done. And so what I would encourage you is don't leave today without knowing 100% that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to be here at the front. You can come down while we're singing the song, Love Lived to Me, or you can just hang out after the service and, and speak with me afterwards. God loves you. He loves you so much that He sent His Son to die for you. Don't miss out. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.